Well, hey, doll. Hey, doll. I'm your host, Cynthia. And I'm your host, Paula. And we are Dolls, Dolls and Doom. Doom. So, Paula. Yeah. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Jessica Renee Johnson. Okay. So, our story takes place in 2017. Jessica Renee Johnson was a beautiful, and I mean beautiful, she was gorgeous. Uh, she was 37-year-old mother, and she lived in Horn Lake, Mississippi. She was described by her friends and family as being the life of the party, energetic, outgoing, and super fun to be around. And her sister Kayla said that Jessica was always dressed up. She was very pretty, and she knew it. Uh, she took great pride in her appearance. So it's going to be important later to know that Jessica never went anywhere looking like a slob. She always looked good. She did okay. not leave the house without makeup, hair, cute outfit. That was Jessica. Okay. Uh, Jessica was a single mother to two adult children, a son named McLean and a daughter named Eden. And her kids, by all accounts, were her everything. She was a great mother. And Jessica and her kids actually lived with Jessica's parents, Linda and David Johnson. Unfortunately, Jessica had been struggling for the last couple of years. And one of the issues that her family felt she was really dealing with was her relationship with her on-again, off-again boyfriend, a man named Garland Hart. Garland was not the type of man that Jessica had normally dated. He was definitely a bad boy type. He had a checkered past. He was involved in drug usage, and he was pretty covered in tattoos. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with tattoos, I have one, only one, <laughs> uh, and I've dated lots of people who did have lots of tattoos. So it, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with tattoos. I want to make that clear. Yeah, we're just giving you a full picture. Yes. In this case, her family just said that was not the kind of look that Jessica was normally attracted to. She normally liked a more clean cut look. On top of her relationship troubles, Jessica unfortunately had struggled with some drug abuse. So on May 31st, 2017, Jessica goes to stay with her boyfriend at his best friend Jesse's house. And this house, from everything I've gathered, was a party house. A lot of people came and went. There was a lot of drug use. It overall just was not really a good place to be. But Garland <laughs> was actually staying there. Um, some reports say he lived there. Some reports say he was just kind of crashing there for a couple weeks. So I'm not exactly sure what the situation was. But Garland was there. Jessica wanted to spend the night with Garland. So she was at this house owned by Jesse. She tells her family she will be home the next day, Thursday, June 1st. But she never showed up. So obviously her mother, Linda, you know, started trying to reach Jessica she didn't get any kind of response. She got more and more concerned. And sadly, that concern turned into a complete nightmare because Linda received a call from the coroner oh. saying that Jessica had committed suicide. Now, Linda's initial reaction 
to this news was denial and shock. And that's often a standard reaction to suicide because a lot of times when people are really, really depressed and struggling, sometimes they go out of their way to hide it from their loved ones. And I don't know that anyone can truly know what's going on in someone's heart and mind if they don't want to share that. So before hearing any of the details, Linda's already having a hard time believing that her daughter would have done this to herself. But when she hears the nitty gritty of exactly what supposedly happened, her suspicion just grows even more. So on Friday morning at around 9.30 or 10 a.m., a postal worker was making her rounds when she found Jessica kneeling on both knees with her legs underneath her with two shoelaces tied together to act as a noose and the shoelaces were tied around Jessica's neck and then tied around a 38 inch tall mailbox post. Her purse was open on the ground between her legs with her cell phone inside and Jessica's hand was found gently laying on her purse. Now, when this postal worker found Jessica like this, she immediately, immediately freaked out. She called for help. And that's when another postal worker showed up. For some reason, this second postal worker actually took a picture of Jessica. And it's actually good. It's a weird thing to do. Right. I, I don't know that I would have done that. But we're kind of glad she did. Because this case was quickly ruled a suicide a whole lot of forensics and investigation weren't done. So it's kind of nice that we have this this photo. Absolutely. This photo, you can Google and pull it right up. Her face is blurred in every copy of the photo I've been able to see. I can just tell you that in the photo, you'll see the mailbox post. Jessica's sitting to the side of it, again, on her knees, kneeling, almost like, you know, a praying position or something like that. The shoelace is around her neck, around the mailbox post. Her face is blurred. I listened to the Morbid podcast, who did a great podcast on it. I love Morbid. Shout out, girls. It almost appeared from their description that they may have been able to see an unedited version of this photo because they said that the shoelace actually went across her face as opposed to just her throat and actually pulled her lip up into almost like a weird grimace which is just strange if she supposedly strangled herself right so um again you can see this photo if you google it we're not gonna put it on our facebook or instagram i kind of i don't like posting dead body photos when they're easily available but this photo is out there and it it might be worth looking into to help you visualize this situation now jessica's sister kayla said there is no way jessica would have quote displayed herself out for the world to see like that she had no makeup on and that's not her she was also wearing like a baggy gray camo Mm t-shirt and a pair of jeans she was barefoot her shoes without laces were found several feet away and this was strange for several reasons first of all none of her friends or family will recognize that shirt she was wearing They said not only had they never seen that shirt, but it didn't even look like something Jessica would have worn. Oh. It wasn't her style at all. And then for her to have been barefoot, they said Jessica would have never been walking outside barefoot. She was terrified of bugs, and she just wouldn't have done that. Okay. Also, the grass beside this post 
was several feet high. So she would have been kneeling in this grass that was like up to her face. Wow. So again, if you're an outdoorsy person, that may not bother you. But But if she's not. Right. If she's not and if she's afraid of bugs and things, I can't imagine wanting to be sitting in tall grass. Right. Linda, Jessica's mom, said that Jessica's drug of choice was Xanax. And Linda said if Jessica had really wanted to kill herself, she would have overdosed on Xanax and she would have had herself totally judged up. She would have been totally made up, looking gorgeous. She would have, quote, looked like sleeping beauty, end quote. And Jessica's friend Summer said that she would have never have killed herself at all because she, quote, loved her babies and that she was all they had. They didn't really have a relationship with their father. So the more Jessica's family and friends look at this photo, the more they're convinced that Jessica did not do this to herself. They said it almost looked as if she had been put on display. But despite this, her death was quickly ruled a suicide and only a partial autopsy was performed, and her cause of death was ruled strangulation. So the Johnson family hired their own forensic scientist, Dr. Maurice Godwin, to do his own investigation. And Dr. Godwin believes that if he had been the medical examiner, he would have said that this was homicide. But at the very least, if not homicide, at the very least, it would have been undetermined. The string was around Jessica's, like, where her Adam's apple would have been. And Dr. Godwin says that she would have never have passed out with the string in this position. There just wouldn't have been enough force, not enough pressure, to cause her to pass out. And she was also sitting to the side of the post. So, like, not in front of the post, where if she leaned forward, the... It's going to stop her from moving. Right. Like, she was to the side of it, so... How can you be strangled that way? Right. It just wasn't a natural position to be strangled. Her cheek was right up against this raw wood post. And the pressure was on her cheekbone from this post. Dr. Godwin said that the entire time she would have been strangling herself, she would have had intense pressure on her face from the post. It would have been very, very painful. He also noted that there was not a very deep indent in her neck from the shoestring and he argues that if the force had been there to actually kill her there would have been a much deeper scar also the way the knot in the shoestrings was tied was very suspicious these shoestrings are really really tiny very thin possibly not even enough to like hold the weight of a person trying to strangle themselves you can see they're tied with a very very neat knot at the very end of both the shoestrings literally as close to the end of the shoestrings as possible is where this note is neatly tied. If Jessica had done this to herself, it's been established she would have been doing it outside alone in the dark. And they just don't think that she could have tied these knots so neatly in the dark. Roe Moreno is a former Memphis police officer and he agrees that this was a very rural area. There's no street lights around. And to tie that knot in the dark, knowing exactly how much give or take it would need to actually strangle yourself, seems very improbable. Marino also doesn't believe the mailbox post itself would have held up under the pressure that would have been needed to strangle someone to death. The grass around the mailbox post was several feet high. She'd have had to kneel in this tall grass. You know, it just, it just didn't seem probable. 
So True Crime Daily went back to the scene with Ro Moreno. And together they gave the exact mailbox post just the slightest push and it almost came out of the ground. It was very, very loose. I mean, we don't know how long after her death this little investigation was. Oh, okay. But it is something to think about. But I will also tell you that my house has the exact same mailbox post. Okay. I would not be able to put all of my weight against this post. I don't know that I could strangle myself on my mailbox post. Right. Dr. Godwin also said that her hand would not have landed calmly in between her legs on her on her purse had she actually suffocated herself. This is a violent death. Strangulation is violent. And your natural reaction in this scenario, even if you're doing it to yourself, is to struggle a bit, to fight. And you would not calmly keep your hand down in front of you. You just wouldn't do it. We're going to do a little experiment. I have asked Paula. Paula has no idea what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. But I've asked Paula to pull out a necklace and I'm going to have her put it on. Okay. So it's a long neck. <laughs> okay. If she doesn't knock her mic over first. Right. So it's a long necklace and I'm putting it on right now. It's over my head. Okay. I'm taking my hair out. Okay. It's okay. on. So Paula did just exactly what I expected she would. Paula put this necklace on. Paula's hair is down, and after putting the necklace on, she pulled her hair out from underneath the necklace. Well, Jessica's hair was found underneath the shoestrings. I don't know of anyone with long hair who would ever put anything on over their neck, whether it's a shirt, a necklace, a jacket, anything, and not then lift their hair up to be out. Yeah, to be on top. Like, we don't put something on and then leave our long hair. Stuffed underneath. Stuffed underneath. It's itchy and uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Not only is it just something we do without even thinking about it. Like, we, I, wouldn't, I, don't even think, I don't even know I do it. We just all do it. But if you were actually going to hang yourself, first of all, you would want as little barrier between your body and the strings as possible. Right. Maximum damage. Right. But secondly, in addition to the pain of this raw wood up against her cheek and her air supply being cut off, she would also have had, you know, all these hairs being pulled out from the shoestrings, being on top of her long hair like that, which would only add to the pain. So the fact that these shoestrings were found around her neck, but on top of her hair, she did not pull her hair out to be on top of the shoestring. Am I explaining that right? Are yeah, I can totally the visualizers, picture it. Uh, the visualizers. Are the listeners visualizing what I'm saying? Her hair was underneath the shoestring. That's just weird. Yeah. I've never considered suicide. Thank God I'm not bragging. But I'm just saying that because what I'm about to say, I've never really given it a lot of thought. But if I were right now just to think of committing suicide... By strangulation. The thought of hanging myself on a mailbox post that I could just literally, I wouldn't even have to stand up. I would just have to stop pushing against. That makes no sense to me. Would that thought pop to your head? In my whole lifetime, I've never heard of someone being strangled on a mailbox. Right. Ever. Right. And I'm old. It makes no, <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks for that. it makes no sense no like that's just not what you would do that's not how you do it right now first of all most women we tend to kill ourselves passively yeah 
So we don't like gory. We don't like violent. We don't like things that are make us ugly. Right. So generally it's poison. Yeah. Poison or pills. Right. Which even her mother said. In, in one interview, her mother said, if the cause of death had been an overdose of Xanax, I would have possibly believed it. Right. But to hang yourself on a mailbox, that is just bizarre. And also, I'd like to point out the fact that it's very public. The sun comes up. People go out to their cars to go to school or work or walk down the street. Everyone can see you. That's going to come up later. Okay. Yeah, it's going to come up later. Because when you find out how long she was supposedly out there, it's very strange. Okay. I also want to say that this area, it was pretty rural. Now, there were houses around, but it's not like in the city where houses are right next to each other. Okay. So other houses could see this house in question and more importantly the mailbox in question but there was some distance there were a lot of trees if you were going to hang yourself why wouldn't you hang yourself like on a tree i was just thinking that right like it would be much easier yeah like gravity would literally do the work yeah so again just something else to think about this was quickly ruled a suicide and jessica was cremated after this partial autopsy was done just determining the cause of death In addition to her body being cremated, the clothing and all of the evidence that was on Jessica that day, everything but her shoes and her purse, were put in a biohazard bag for apparently no reason because there was no blood. Um, They were sent to the funeral home and they were burned. So there is absolutely no evidence left. Okay, I have have a question. Is Mm -hmm. that standard? Which part? The burning of her clothes and everything no. else? Okay. No. The funeral home. So apparently her family and friends had been calling. They got the shoes back. They got the purse back almost immediately. But they started calling around. And, and they had her cremated. And we'll talk about that in a minute too. Because they regret having that done later. But they were calling the police. They were calling the medical examiner. They were calling the funeral home. Trying to find out where her clothes were. And eventually they got a call back from the funeral home saying, sorry, they were sent to us in a biohazard bag. We destroyed them. So it wasn't typical. It was actually kind of careless um, that that happened. Okay. Especially seeing as though we really don't know. There's a question. Did she do this to herself or did someone else do it? Well, we can't test her clothes now because they're burned. Right. We can't do anything else with her body. She's been cremated. Now, why was she cremated with no autopsy? That was actually something her family chose to have done. They chose to have her cremated due to financial issues. I think it's it's normal when a loved one passes, you don't want, and this is going to sound morbid and I don't mean it disrespectfully, but you don't want them sitting in a freezer for an extended period of time you want to honor them you want to be able to put them in their final resting place right funerals are very very expensive burials are very very expensive cremation is a much more cost efficient way to handle a body and so that is what they chose which makes total sense but they also believed that the police had collected all necessary evidence and done a thorough investigation they later found out that had not happened. One of the things, just, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, her phone, the password had been changed literally the night she died, and it was a fingerprint. Oh. So there was like a numerical password that had been changed, but it could also be opened with her fingerprint. The family believed that the police had, you know, opened all this up. Well, they hadn't. So now we have no code, we have no finger to open the phone with. Apple will not 
open a phone, even with a search warrant, they just will not. There's no way to get into her phone. And we're going to find out. She sent some texts that are a little suspicious. Oh, geez. There may be more information on this phone, but we, at this time, can't get into it. Right. You know, her, her family was in deep shock, confusion, deep, deep grief. They just weren't thinking about all these different scenarios that might pop up later. Why would you? Right. And my heart really goes out to them because they don't have a lot of ability left to do some more testing that might help get some more answers. Jessica's friends and family have all said they're really disappointed and hurt when it comes to the police investigation. One of her friends, Summer, even said that it was especially hurtful because they'd had mutual friends who were on that police force who knew Jessica personally. And Summer just couldn't understand why they, as a friend, wouldn't want to do more to try to get to the truth. Unfortunately, some of the people close to the case believe that the reason why a more in-depth investigation was not done was because of Jessica's lifestyle. Because she had struggled with drugs and was found at a home that had a lot of traffic, you know, she was kind of in with a bad crowd. It was easy to just chalk it up to a person who was into some bad stuff and that ultimately getting the best of her. At the time of her death, she did have Xanax and meth in her system. It was not enough to kill her, but it did prove that she'd been using And her family said it was no secret that she'd really struggled with her addiction, but she was on a path and really trying to clean up her life. Now, Dr. Godwin said that if this had been a housewife with no background of drugs or any other kind of, you know, negative history, first of all, it would have been all over the news due to just the strangeness of the case, but that they definitely would have done a moral more thorough investigation and I do think it is strange given how weird these details are that I'd never heard of this case yeah me neither it was only 2017 it was not long ago like we should have heard about this it's bizarre but we didn't it does kind of make sense to me that had this been me you know had I been found in this way I can't imagine a lot of people not hearing about it but right so something to think about To be fair, a statement from the police said that, quote, all tips and investigations that we have received have been investigated. And as far as we are concerned, this is still a death investigation, end quote. And that is what we want to hear, right? Except in this case, Jessica's family wants to know why police then returned potential evidence to them. Police gave Jessica's purse and Jessica's shoes back to Jessica's family. So Dr. Godwin is looking over these items and he notices a couple of things that nobody else ever noticed. First of all, he noticed that Jessica's purse had a metal clasp that connected the strap to like the actual bag portion and it was broken and it was metal. So that implies that there was some pretty intense force used to break this metal piece. Second thing he noticed was on Jessica's shoes, the ones missing their shoelaces, there was a teeny tiny dark speck. Now you or me might look at this and not see it or think it's dirt or whatever. I mean, who knows what you're going to find on my shoes? Three kids, (laughs) two dogs. You know what I mean? Like this is a forensic scientist we're talking about, Dr. Godwin. And he said to him, this looked like blood. And 
he really thought that further testing needed done to confirm whether or not this might be blood on her shoe. But instead of being in a crime lab, Jessica's purse with its broken metal clasp and her shoes with potential blood splatter on them have been given back to her family. So Dr. Godwin, you know, taking all of this into consideration, he very much believes she was not alone that night, that Jessica was involved in some type of struggle, and this information confirms what Jessica's family first thought when they saw her body at the funeral home. So in addition to this picture of her at the mailbox, there's also a picture easily available online of Jessica's left arm while she's at either the morgue or the funeral home. In this photo, you see Jessica's left arm and on the hand area are several round red marks that kind of look you know, maybe the size of what, like a cigarette burn might look like. Okay. They look like maybe they could be some type of chemical burn. Or more specifically, some people have said meth splatter burns. I don't know what that looks like, but, and I didn't want to Google it. But um, that is what it's been described looking like potentially. She also had some bruising around her wrist where she could have possibly been restrained. And she had a weird indentation going up her arm that some believe looked like a boot print. Then around her nails, there's a lot of bruising and some blood. So again, if she just strangled herself, why is her arm in this condition? Right. Sounds like there was a struggle. Again, Jessica was really into how she looked and her arm did not look pretty. Like it it looked pretty beat up. Now, I will say from what I know about the drug, if she was doing meth, she probably wasn't going to stay pretty for very long. True. We know that, you know, that particular drug really ages a person. It destroys their teeth, destroys skin. There's a lot of picking involved. Without really knowing how long she'd been doing this or how long she didn't, she'd been involved in this particular drug, you know, I don't know if maybe the marks on her arm may have been like the beginning of that. Or if they were completely new and she'd never had anything like that before. Also, I'm not saying she was, but if she was around someone who was making meth, we know she was, uh, you know, hanging out with kind of a bad crowd. You know, that could have potentially explained why there might be burn marks on her arm if they were making meth and some splattered on her. True. But her family's the one saying, hey, look at these marks on her arm. Her family had seen her just two days prior. So I can only assume it was unusual for her to have this arm looking in this condition. Very close to the the day of death. Right. It wasn't like typical for her to be walking around looking like this. Uh, Dr. Godwood wanted the shoestrings to be tested for some touch DNA. That makes sense, right? Absolutely. Let's let's prove it once and for all. Did anybody else touch those uh, shoestrings? Well, we're going to never know because the police lost those shoestrings. What? Like the last piece of evidence that they had lost oh my god we talked about can't test her clothing can't do another autopsy yeah it's just everything's lost it's such a shame it's so frustrating roe moreno said that this crime scene was absolutely not preserved he went as far as to say that evidence was destroyed maybe not on purpose but evidence was destroyed in photos of the scene you can see that police cars were parked way too close to jessica's body and that the neighbors surrounding the scene were never questioned Now, this mailbox belonging to Jessica's boyfriend's best friend, his name's Jesse, 
he had a security camera pointing straight to the mailbox. It's going to show us everything, right? I have a feeling the answer is no. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) How'd you know? Well, every time he was asked for that footage, he had a new excuse as to why it could not be provided. Both to the police and then later on to reporters. Because True Crime Daily actually sent a reporter to his home to try to interview him. And though he would not speak to her on camera, off camera, he did talk to her. And he gave her several excuses from he never looked at the video to he didn't know the passcode and then the camera was off at the time of the incident and then finally the footage had been recorded over what about a search warrant that's the thing it appears the police didn't really bother i mean even where you and i used to work which i won't say the name of but like one of the things i had to do is at the very beginning of a whatever I was working on, the first thing I had to do was send out like a preservation of evidence letter. And I had to tell everybody involved that if there were any video, any photos, anything like that, they have to be saved. Right. And it's just common sense. Right. I've not even, we didn't even work in law enforcement. It was just, if there's any evidence whatsoever, keep that evidence. So for police to not even bother until it was either recorded over. I, I, mean, I don't know. I'd be confiscating the camera. Me too. But since they ruled it a suicide, they didn't bother. Exactly. So the other thing I mentioned that the, the phone password had been changed. Her, she was very close to her family. They knew her information, but her passcode's changed suddenly. Nobody knows her passcode anymore. What makes this more suspicious is at 3.29 a.m. on the morning before she's found, Jessica's son receives a text from his mother. Now, Dr. Godwin puts Jessica's time of death at right around this time, possibly even earlier. So he believes that someone else actually sent that text from Jessica's phone or that it was sent from the mailbox right as she was dying or right after she had been killed in an effort to throw it off. Right. Like I said, her phone was found in her purse. Now, we don't know exactly what the text message said. But I've seen a few reports that says it implied that she would be spending the day with G, which is how she referred to her boyfriend, Garland. Now, a little more about her relationship with Garland. They had been off again, on again for about two years. Jessica's friends and family say that Garland was both mentally and physically abusive. Now, Garland denies ever being abusive with Jessica, but it is important to note that he has had some other domestic abuse charges. Her friends and family also say that during some of these altercations between him and Jessica, she would call them to come pick her up and she would say things like, he is going to kill me or if anything happens to me, you need to find Garland. Holy crap. Yes. So quick timeline of what we believe happened. On Wednesday night, May 31st, Jessica and Garland go to Jesse's house where Garland was staying. On Thursday, the couple had gotten into a fight. From what I could gather, Jessica's friend had given Garland $300 to fix her SUV. So Jessica and Garland have possession of this vehicle while the owner was at work because Garland's supposed to be fixing it. Well, Jessica picks the vehicle owner up in the car and tells the owner that Garland never fixed the car. The owner of the vehicle was pretty upset about that. Now, while Jessica was picking up her friend, she apparently got a text from Jesse saying that Garland was in his bedroom with two other women. So this sent Jessica into hysterics, as it 
probably would most women. Yes. So Jessica and her friend go back to Jesse's house. And then Jessica calls another friend to come pick her up. But when her friend gets there, Jessica decides to stay at the house. The last time anyone says they see her is around 6 p.m. Now, Jesse, the homeowner, Garland's best friend, says he got a text from Jessica after she left his house saying that she didn't want to feel the pain anymore, which given what ends up happening to Jessica seems pretty ominous. However, Jessica's friend Summer, who had seen this text, says that it sounded more like something someone would say just out of frustration and not really like a suicidal type right. thought. Just a girl being dramatic. Right. Now, Jesse also says that one of his roommates saw Jessica out in the driveway that night. And this person alleges that they saw Jessica pull the shoestrings out of her shoes and threatened to kill herself with them. The roommate just shrugged it off and told her he didn't want to have anything to do with it and pretty much just closed the door on Jessica. And that was the last time anyone saw her until she was found the next morning, tied to the mail post, 16 hours later. 16? So earlier when you mentioned, how did nobody see her? She was supposedly out there for around 16 hours. Again, keep in mind, this is a home where a lot of people are coming and going. This is a party house. Right. People are going to get drugs. People are leaving with their drugs. Like, there's a lot. Now, it is dark. There are no streetlights. We talked about that. It's pretty rural. Again, with all those people and coming and going and with her literally, like, right on the street. Yeah, right there. Nobody sees her. Suspicious. Even Jesse in this interview with True Crime Daily, says that he believes the way Jessica was found was suspicious. He says it looked like she was placed there as opposed to putting herself there. But he does not believe his friend Garland had anything to do with it. Garland's current girlfriend says that he was with her the night Jessica died and that there was no way he could have been involved in Jessica's death. This is interesting because we know that Garland was with Jessica the night she died. So I don't know if he left Jesse's house and then went to be with this new girlfriend or if she's just making up a story to give him an alibi. Right. I don't know, but that's what she says. She okay. says there's no way he could have done it. He was with her. At the time of the interview... He wasn't home, so she told True Crime Daily that they could find Garland in court, where he was facing domestic abuse charges against her. Oh, jeez. So these are the kind of people we're dealing with. True Crime Daily goes to the courthouse, and Garland is willing to talk to them, and you're never going to guess what he says. He thinks someone killed Jessica. He says Jessica would not have killed herself. He said that he did not care about clearing his name, that that wasn't what matters. He just wants to know what happened to her because her son and daughter deserve to know what happened to their mother. He said that he understood why Jessica's mother, Linda, said that she believed he was involved because it was normal to want to have someone to blame. And he said that he would be that guy, that he did not hurt Jessica and that he loved her. When asked who he thinks may have been involved, he said he didn't know and that he would not want to make an accusation because that is what had been done to him. Interesting. Yes. So I'm going to leave you with this. Just a few more interesting tidbits. I went on Reddit and I totally went down a, a rabbit hole. But what I found most interesting was that Linda, Jessica's mom, actually posted 
herself directly on some of these Reddit threads. Oh. And here's a few things that Linda says that are very interesting and they come directly from Jessica's mother. First of all, she said that Jessica had about $500 cash on her that night that she'd been given, but when she was found, there was no money on her. Um, She said that when the police and investigators started showing up at Jesse's house, there were several people sitting on Jesse's porch. Um, Some of those people actually included Jesse himself. And so there's a big ruckus starting at his mailbox, but no one came over to see what's going on. So imagine yourself sitting on your front porch, police, you know, paramedics, all these people show up at the end of your driveway and start roping it off as a crime scene. You don't even bother to walk down to the end of your driveway to ask, hey, what's going on? I would. On my pro- right, right. I mean, we could be in the middle of watching TV and my boyfriend, like if you see like the red and blue light, you know, go by the window. He gets up, goes out the front door, walks down the driveway, has to know what's going on. Me too, me too. An ambulance ends up in my, unfortunately we have a, a neighbor who is elderly and not in good health and a couple times a year the ambulance and the fire department all you know show up at the house and every time all the neighbors are out like yeah, what's going it's, on it's instinct what's going on yeah so that's strange yeah. that nobody bothered Your own to front like, yard come on right so that's the case jesse renee johnson it has been ruled a suicide that's crazy and it's just very it's just suspicious when you add it all up it's suspicious at the very least and it's heartbreaking to me to know that we may never find answers because all of this evidence is missing and gone and my heart just breaks for her family just for everybody involved it's just horrific yeah if you know anything one of the things that um i heard on the morbid podcast i did not see this myself but morbid podcast said that in one of these threads or something linda said that to anyone who's involved listen hey you know the police aren't looking for you they've ruled this a suicide police don't care like it's a done deal like you're not going to get in trouble but if you could just at least let me know what happened so i can just know what happened and find peace please do that i know my daughter didn't do this to herself please grant me the peace and let me know which makes total sense i feel like in, in most situations the not knowing is the worst part. Oh, for sure. Oh, I can. I mean, thankfully, I've never been in this position, and God, please don't ever let me be. But right, I can imagine for sure that having all these questions and not knowing, and your gut telling you one thing, and everybody else who doesn't know you, who doesn't know your child, right. who doesn't know the scenario, telling you something else, and not bothering to investigate. Yeah. So that's the case. Well, thanks so much for listening. If you have anything you want us to talk about, any cases, send us an email at dollsanddoom at gmail.com. Check us out online on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. All right. Well, thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye.